not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny It's the two from the ninny in this week as we talk about two games Preview two more games and I'm joined by two other people as usual It's Ben Price and Tom Phillips, this is the view from the ninny And Ben Price, you're wearing the Premier League away shirt, how does it feel? Um, it's very comfortable. It's just a nice kit, wasn't it? It's one of the better. It was a lovely kit. It's a nice colour because it's not quite. It's like an off-white, isn't it? Yeah. Some people call it white. I'd say it's like a grey sort of. Yeah, that's why I said off-white. Well, grey is different to off-white, isn't it? Is it? Well, now we're talking. We're talking shades, are we? We're talking shades of grey. Choices. Tom, have you got an opinion on off-white versus grey? Uh, no, I'm going to stay out of it. I'm wearing a fleece, which is a lot less glamorous than the Premier League away kit. What kind of fleece? A work one, just to be oh, really, really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and to complete the set, I'm wearing a Supreme Mob Deep t-shirt. Um, so if you're a fan of Mob Deep, or Prodigy in particular from Mob Deep and Streetwear, I've got you covered. So all bases covered here on The View from the Ninian. Um, two games to talk about, Ben. Uh, Coventry and Blackpool. We'll start with Coventry first, because it's chronological. That game was the first game we played of the two. It's logical, Ben. Come along, join the fun. Good win, wasn't it? It was, yeah. You've totally thrown me there. Very upbeat. <laughs> Very upbeat. Yeah. Right, it's exercise. It's one of those two boys. It doesn't. I've just come from the gym and I absolutely fucked. Contrasts, <laughs> isn't it? We're a podcast of contrasts. Yeah, true. Go um, on, Ed. Talk about the Coventry game, Ben. It's over to you. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, there's not much to say other than that, isn't it? It really, really enjoyed it. It was a nice little performance. It wasn't sort of the best sort of first half, but... Um, yeah, to get a point, uh, get a point, Christ, to get three points against a side like Coventry, who I know they've dropped a bit and their away form's not great, but look, been a bit of a bogey how, team the last couple of seasons, haven't they? Yeah, considering how we've been, like you think back to the game at the Rico, Christ, that was bad. The improvement since then is mental. Um, you, you might yeah. say the performance at the Rico, Rico'd really bad. It reeked, it stunk. <laughs> <laughs> ben, go on, finish what you're saying. I, I don't want it now. You've just killed it. We were good. It well, I say we were good. It was better. It was a decentish performance, and like the home, the home form goodness continues. Tom, I'm coming over to you next. Ben says it was good, but it was shite, wasn't it? For 70 minutes. Yeah, it was awful for some. No, it wasn't awful. It was. It was. Uh, it, it was. It felt like it was just heading for a stalemate, didn't it? There was kind of no cutting edge from either team. It kind of it was plodding along, and then yeah, we kind of turned it on in the last. 20, 20 or so minutes where we became, I don't know, we've done that quite a lot recently where we've kind of started quite slowly, but we've kind of grinded through the game and kind of pulled out a performance towards the last 20 minutes or so, but which is good to see. You could look at it either way. I don't know why we start so poor, but we end so well. But, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a win at home in what was an important week that we got points on the board, really, because it was two, two games we wanted points from and we got it in the end. I do think I've been blinded by that second half, actually. like The more you're saying it, the more I'm like, oh, no, the first half was fucking grim, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, I think it the just... first 70 minutes was objectively a bad game of football from both sides. Like, Coventry yeah. had a lot of the ball but didn't do anything with it. And we just kind of sat back and let them do that because, obviously, they weren't hurting us at the time. Um, and I think we just... I think we probably played we probably played it quite well in, in a sense that we turned it on in the last 20 minutes and kind of sucker punched them. But for the, the, the 70 minutes, it was a turgid game of football to watch, wasn't it? I just got sort of happy personally. We've got one over. There are a few Coventry fans from my time up there with the misses. So I think I've been sort of 
blinded by that result and sort of being able to rub it in their faces. So, yeah, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It started poorly. I'm sure we're going to come to the decision on what is coming up. Um, me and you had a bit of a chat about it in the WhatsApp chat, Ben, saying we I think we had two very different views on the substitution. But um, for me, that's the sort of thing that changed the game. The intensity stepped up from there and we, we kicked on and we looked like we're the side more likely to win, to be honest. Yeah, we'll get to the we'll get to the Waters um, decision in a bit because I think there's more to go into on that front. Um, but at first, I think Tom, we, uh, Ben, we want to talk about Joel Baggin. I said both your names there, so pipe up first if you want to have a guess. Um, uh, we got the question here: Are we seeing a reinvented Joel Baggin, Tom? Three goals. I know we're going to talk about the Blackpool game, but that's three goals in three games. Uh, he's on course to be our top scorer um, if he carries on in that form. <laughs> um, but the goal against Coventry was particularly lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an unbelievable finish. And I think that's off his weaker foot as well, putting the far corner in off the yeah. post. Like to show that composure. And he, he's shown it a couple of times, like even in the, the Millwall game, when he got into the box, like cutting in off the wing, getting past the defender. He didn't have that in his game before. But I think it's just, he's got this new kind of lease of confidence that he didn't have. They're obviously encouraging him to get forward. I think Morrison has said it in press conferences. He wants him to get higher up the pitch. But there's getting up higher in the pitch and then there's being right on the centre spot when balls have been put in the box. And <laughs> yeah. it's just, I, I'm permanently looking at the team and going, why is he there? I like, like looking for the stands going, I'll stop back it again. And, but fair play to him because he's looked pretty defensively sound as well. He's got an engine on him. He's getting up and down that flank in and out of the box. And no wonder it's so hard for defenders to keep hold of him because he is popping up all over the shop. And apart from, well, we go on to the Blackwell game later, the, he kind of fluffed his lines a little bit. He showed great composure with the ball at his feet and in front of goal, which we haven't seen from that position for a long, long time. No, and 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 in the, on, on the other side, Ben, against Coventry, the, the goal by Harris was also a lovely goal, wasn't it? He, he kind of got their defence, cut inside and put, put aside a great finish. And that's what we want to see from Sparky, isn't it? We want to see him running at defenders. We want to see him with the ball at his feet. He seems like the perfect player to come off the bench, doesn't he? Um, he's sort of been run ragged by the other strikers and see him come off and he's just bags of energy constantly. Um, he's really sort of... And it's hard to say that. It seems like a criticism when we say he's a super sub and he's better off the bench, but he does seem like one of those players that's definitely better off the bench. He seems to make an impact every time he comes onto the pitch from the bench, more than he does when he starts a game. You think that's more down to the system we play, though? Because obviously we'll, we'll talk about the, the the Waters decision in a little bit, but we need strikers who press and harry, and that's what Hugel does really well. That's what um, Ikpiezu does quite well. When we don't have a striker who does that, our game falls apart a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we saw that in the first 30 minutes. If you've not got the press right, um, our system doesn't work at all. And if the team aren't pressing well, we seem to be quite comfortable to play against. The, the teams don't really struggle. So perhaps it is a case of, yeah, Harris is a better option off the bench. But I think for me, it's one of two between him and Isaac Davis on that other the other striker. Yeah. Um, it seems to be one of those two comes off, the other one comes off the bench end and sort of just carries on the running because... You look at their work rate when both those lads play. They, It's not like they're your classic number nine. They're up front and they're just told to stick around the box and hope to get us happen. They're all over the shop. They're everywhere, just causing a nuisance and leading the press from the front, which is massive to us. And I think that's exactly what we were missing under McCarthy when we had that press or we were trying to press. There was only like one or two players pressing and the strikers weren't doing it. Now we're leading from the front and players like Harrison vital for that. 
Well, the press, when under McCarthy, the press was being led by MG half the time from right back. He was the one who was yeah. getting at their, their left back when he had the ball. And you can't do that because you need your strikers to press. So then your midfielders can fill the gap and your defenders can fill the gap behind them. And that's probably where we went wrong in the first 30 minutes, Tom. Um, ben, we've already talked about the Waters thing. We'll come to that in a sec. But we haven't heard from you, Tom, on, on Max Waters yet, because obviously we, me, and, me and Ben have aired our public opinions. But... Was it a right decision? Obviously, it was probably the right decision to take it off. Was it a good decision by Morrison to A, start him, and then B, haul him off in such an unceremonious way? I think if you're trying to play a certain type of game, if that is your game plan to Harry, he's not that player. He's a, he's a player who makes clever runs, gets in the box, and he created two chances in that first 30 minutes. He was our only outlet. So mm-hmm. for what is his game, he was playing relatively well. I think... I don't blame. I, I think managers should make substitutions earlier more. If they if, if they can see things are going wrong, they should make substitutions. What I don't agree with is the comments after the game, where I think Morrison should have put his hands up and said, "I got the starting lineup wrong. I put the wrong personnel for what the game plan was." Like mm. even if you don't believe that yourself as a manager, I think you 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 try and deflect away from what is a young player who's still trying to find his feet in the division. Like you look you look at the pictures of him at halftime sitting there. He looked absolutely heartbroken. And then you've seen that as a manager and to still kind of call him out. And I know he did that with Isaac Davis and perhaps he's come on leaps and bounds since then. But I don't know, Waters looks a little bit more fragile to me as a character, like just by judging his kind of mannerisms and stuff. And I think you need to protect players like that because you don't want to alienate too many people in the squad. Um, And I don't know, it, it... it did feel a little bit harsh because it, it was coming up to half time as well. I think you can wait. You're like you're not going to change that much in that ten minute spell. And he was our best outlet. And I think it's very unfortunate for him um, that he was the one that was hauled off because I thought the whole team were quite poor from back to front. I thought we were, you know, we weren't very composed with the ball. It's, I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate. Up until that point, it looked like the Cardiff City of old, right? <clears throat> there was lots of gaps between midfield and attack. There were lots of gaps between defence and attack. There was no cohesion. And yes, I understand that we need to press from the front. But as you say, for me, Waters isn't that player. Like, what he did really well was playing on the defender's shoulders and getting onto his balls. Like, his chance, which he put into uh, Simon Moore's face, came from a really intelligent run and a really good pass. And even though it took him wide, he got it on target. And I think his reaction at full time perhaps suggested that he wasn't sure why he'd been hauled off because it maybe he was playing the game he was meant to have played. And and Ben, to your point, I don't disagree that Morrison has to make these difficult decisions, but why why air him out after the game? It just feels at that point it feels gratuitous to to go. You need to learn what it is to be a championship player. Like I understand Morrison's not a soft touch, but he needs to learn the art of diplomacy for me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I don't like the comments at full time. Um, it made more of it than it should have. If he had just gone, look, held my hands up, got it wrong, or even didn't just dig him out as publicly, just sort of said, we made we made the change. Even us just kept it neutral, just said, we, we made the change we felt we had to. Something mm-hmm. along those lines, just keep it simple. Don't say he's got to learn what it's going to be to be a championship player. They're comments that are supposed to be kept behind closed doors. Yeah. Yes, it's refreshing. Like people say, it's refreshing to see a manager being honest and open with his stuff. But we all know what that substitution was about. It was, I, I do think Waters was really poor. I know he had two chances, but I thought his work off the ball was piss poor. Um, I don't think he jumped much for headers. I thought he was really, really weak when he was on the ball. And like I said, he wasn't even the press. That is the game plan. And it's obvious that's been our game plan. It's not like it's a new system. It's been our game plan for a few months. 
But like to your, what you boys say, he's not the player that's going to lead the press like Hugo or, or Bieso. He's not that kind of striker. He's the other striker that you play either alongside Hugo Ikebezu, and he does that well. Um, so yeah, it's it's a mixture of both. But in Morrison's comments, didn't I? Don't think they've done the good that he thinks they've done in his head. If that makes sense, I think in his head the way he's come out and said, "Look, I've been up front. I've been honest with him. Said that this is going to be the making of Max Waters." I don't think it is for this one. Um, seeing a bloke just sat there, your team's gone in at half time, and you're just sat. Not even on the bench. You went behind the bench yeah. and just sort of just sat there, just looking bewildered is not a good sign. And I can't blame that. I've been pulled pulled off um, before. Hey, up. Yeah. He's been pulled off, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Carry on view from the Ninian. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, well, I've, I've had it happen to me um, playing in like a terrible standard of football, getting subbed because I was having a shocker before before half time and it felt shit. I can't imagine what it feels like when it's in front of 18,000. It, it just can't it be just, a nice feeling. It just feels like for me, Steve Morrison would at times rather embarrass somebody else than himself. And I think that's that's where we've got to with, 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 with what's going on, right? He did it with Isaac Davis. Instead of kind of, you put him on, brought him off, and instead of at the end of the game going, look, I got that one wrong. I, I, you know, I've apologised to him and said I shouldn't have put him in that situation. He comes out and doubles down on the situation. And I think that's what's, that's the unnecessary thing for me. And I think that's where, I don't know, it might be the making of Max Waters. It might not be, who knows, but I just think learn as a manager just to go, yeah, I got that one wrong. One thing I do think he got right was when he made the change. I think he had to have made that change there and then because Coventry was starting to build a bit of, like they were starting to get on the ball more, starting to look at, knock it around. It was probably their best spell just before that change. So for me, I think making that change before half-time was the right call. The early change was the right call. It's the way he handled it at full-time could have been handled a lot, lot better for me. I, of course. I, I keep changing my mind, I must admit. Like, I, I can't work out if it was good or not. And I think I, think I contradicted myself earlier on when I was giving my opinion, saying, like, like oh, yeah, he's going to wait until half-time. It's nice to see him making changes. I just hope it doesn't become almost like his thing if I make yeah. sense, like making changes for the sake of it, because I, th- I think I put it later in after the Blackpool stuff we're going to speak about, but I might as well speak about it now. Like in terms of, I can't work out if he's poor at putting the starting eleven out, or or he's good at reading a game and being reactionary and changing it up. Because we do end games well, and I don't know, I can't, I can't figure it out. I can't, I can't work out if he's trying to make statements or if he sees something that other people don't. I. I I, don't, I just think I think the most baffling thing about it would be obviously when the team came out, everyone went Davis and Waters. What? And it's like yeah. if we play a certain way, which we do, we play with the forwards pressing and we play with the midfield backing him up and we play with a big man, little man combination up front. Why? Why even start with Waters and Davis? I think like we've got six players or whatever like up front now, and he's probably tinkering a little bit to try and see if it works still. But it, but like you said, I think it felt a bit weird to everyone when that team came out. It like no, I don't think anyone would have picked that as the starting pairing up front. And maybe it, it maybe it's a pure a rotation bit. thing for tiredness. Yeah. Maybe Hugh because Hugo has looked. He probably hasn't played as many games in a short period of time. Ikpiazu hasn't either. Maybe that's all it is. But surely it's just the way we play relies on us playing one of Hugo and Ikpiazu alongside one of Davis Waters or Harris. Like as as much as you can change things up. 
you're never going to play Harris and Davis together, really, are you? You're going to play one or the other. You're never going to play Ikpiazu and Hugill together unless you're chasing a game and they come on with like 70 minutes ago and you just want to batter a team. Yeah, and Collins. Collins is nowhere near this conversation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's mad. He was our only outlet yeah. at one point. Like, and everyone it, thinks he's a nice guy. I know. And we're just going to get... And he's got the name of a former Cardiff legend. Like, are we just getting rid of him like that? I don't think it's fair. And it's a player we actually own. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's it. Maybe we just know we've got it. here next year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's the only sad thing. But yeah, I well. think it is. It's just... You say, like, changing the game. You, if you watch sort of... That what I like about that coaching setup is as much as Morrison's the man fronting it, it's very much a team effort. You sort of see throughout the game, he's constantly in dialogue with his coaching staff. Like he's constantly chatting with Hudson about sort of changes they're making, sort of reading the game. Like they're constantly looking at the iPad, looking at sort of the wide. I'm looking at tactics on an iPad, mate. They're looking at OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's depressing because I can hear that accent as well. Have you? Oh, have you seen these? Yeah. <laughs> no, carry on. Stop again, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just yeah, I think that's what I, one thing I really like about the coaching team is it really seems like a team sort of dynamic, it doesn't feel like it's just. I think under McCarthy, it very much felt like him and TC Terry. were the two that were like the front of it and they were trying to take all the glory when it's very much a team effort, and there was no there was no consultation with the other, other coaches that sort of been at the club longer, it was very much they came in, they're doing it their way. This feels like Morrison sort of come in and brought us. It's, it's a big change of staff. Like we've lost James Robry, he's doing a great job at Newport now. Um, to go from that and sort of this full proper coaching setup now, it feels like they're all clued in. They're all sort of on the same page, and they're not afraid to make changes. But I was going to say it's quite telling that under McCarthy, all we knew was that we had Terry Connor as his assistant. Now you know that it's Ramasut. Now you know it's Hudson. Now you can see, um, you know, Darren Purse getting involved with the under 23s. And I know Morrison was the under 23s coach then, but he wasn't very prominent at the time, was he? Um, so I think it just says a lot about the, the the kind of perhaps it's a bit more collegiate than it once was. Um, uh, I think it's obvious just in the social media stuff. Like credits the club, they've gone out, they've bought in a, they're working with a new company to sort of improve their social media game. They've seen that's been an issue that fans have commented on. They've responded to it. And like, again, Morrison's seen that and gone, right, we need to bring the fans close to the players. And some of the content's been really good. Like the corner challenge between Collins and uh, Colwell was quite good fun, to be honest. More of that stuff is, I'm well up for it. And again, it just sort of helps build the good feeling around the club that's sort of simmering away at the moment. It's quite enjoyable. It is quite enjoyable. And what was also quite enjoyable, Tom, was Alex Smithies with um, a lovely save, a bit reminiscent of Dave Marshall against Swansea in 2010 with his foot. Did I was with his foot? Or, or I just yeah, made it was that up. Foot, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a big moment, to be honest with you. Because it, it was a big moment, was it? It was 1 0 at that point. 1 0 at that point, yeah. And they were starting to come back into the game a little bit. And, you know, he's had a few shaky moments re- uh, recently, Smithies, a few people saying that he should be dropped for Phillips. And I think, you know, he showed his worth. And he, he does have that in his locker. He pulls off some cracking saves. If he, even if he does have a few pulls moments, off. even if he does have a few moments of madness where he's ankle tapping people in boxes and stuff. Because <laughs> um, oh yeah, we didn't mention that. Like didn't even mention that. I mean, that was a penalty. I know the first one was a dive. The first so one was a dive. It shouldn't have gone. But the second one was a penalty. I mean, it's, it's a, a slice blatant of chocolate dive. Iron, by the way, <laughs> it, it, it should be. He should be stopped with assimilation though. That is a blatant dive. So it should never. That was have a got stupid dive. That. It should never have got to that point. But after that, if you if you wave play on it, it's a definite penalty. But that that's what you that's what you get with some of these, isn't it? You get that kind of moment of madness. 
you know, like that Millwall's goal in their game came from him needlessly flapping and going for a corner and things like that. So he's got that, but then he, he, it was a wonderful save because it's just it's a reaction save that only like a, a fraction of keepers can pull off. And it's yeah, it was brilliant. Pull off. It's the mistakes that stopped him going to that next level. I think at times he's clearly been more than good enough, more than ready to make that step up to the Premier League, but no one's taking the gamble because of those mistakes. Yeah. And those, you see those mistakes and sort of see the, you see the Coventry thing, you think, oh yeah, he's out of contract in the summer, like he's not going to be a loss, we're, we're going to be fine without him. And then 20 minutes later, he's pulling off that save and you're like, fuck, we're going to miss him when he's gone. Don't Pull it do off. it. <laughs> Even when he came into us, right, when he came in in that Premier League year, we assumed that he was going to take over from Etheridge as a number one, but Etheridge kept him out because um, that was when Etheridge was good. But it wasn't even that. It was Etheridge. It, he was supposed to come in from January, wasn't he? When Etheridge went to the cup, and it was it the the oh yeah the um, the um, Asian, Asian Asian cup, cup. and then uh, Etheridge decided, despite it being the first time the Philippines have ever qualified, nine Etheridge decided, or the club dead. decided. Yeah, probably the clubs. I mean, I don't know. That's allegedly. I have nothing to do with that. I wasn't involved. Um, right, that's Coventry. Now it's on to Blackpool. Fucking hate Blackpool, Tom. But it was a good point. Yeah, it was a good point, and I I fucking hate Blackpool as well. But orange yeah. bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck the Seasiders podcast as well, the wankers. Why? Uh, they were they um on a spaces of another Cardiff City podcast that do we mention them? No, oh, we don't no. mention anyone. We're the only podcast that exists now, It's probably the Canton end, isn't it? It was the Canton end, it was a really enjoyable They're space. doing really good with the spaces. Gotta keep yeah, credit where credit's due. They're doing some cracking stuff. Um yeah, the 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 seaside, one of the guys from the Seaside podcast went on there and uh, said some really derogatory things about the Cardiff City women's side and the state of the the state of the players that was totally unnecessary, totally uncalled for, and what? the lads of the Canned were bang on calling them dickheads and calling them out for it. Well, fuck those guys. Yeah, they also called Wales a principality as well because they're knobheads. Yeah, well, f- fuck those guys even more. But um, it was a good point, though. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but. Uh, not, not a good point for the Seasizers pod, by the way. Sorry, let's clarify that. It was a good point on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, of course. But um, we probably deserved more by our second half performance. But again, slow starting, took a while to get into the game again. Not sure why. But you look at our favourite start of expected goals and we should have been winning that game. Um, they created very little Blackpool. Um, they had a few moments here and there. But, you know, four points in a week, um, we would have been anyone's hand off for that a few weeks ago and it, it shows how far we've come that we're probably a little bit disappointed that we didn't get a win against Blackpool yeah looking at the stats I think it's one of the first games of the season where we've dominated possession 55% we had more accurate passes than them 313 11 total shots three big chances uh, expected goals of 1.74 versus their 0.35 um, Ben obviously all that said we conceded a header um, worrying considering Aidan Flint so fucking tall what's he doing I don't think it was Flint at fault. For me, it's beginners. Well, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I just think McGuinness sort of lost it, lost track of the man. It was a really poor goal to concede. It felt very much like six months ago for that goal. It felt like a typical yeah, yeah. goal we were conceding back then. Um, so, yeah, I still think that needs to be addressed. Like, we're getting better, um, a lot more clean sheets. I think since the new year, what have we done? Four, four clean sheets in, since the new year? Yeah, because in before that it was like one in twenty-four. Yeah, and now we've so, had four since, and I think we've had about three in the last four or five games. Yeah, um, so it's a massive improvement, things. but we still need to cut out those simple mistakes. But it was encouraging to see us. I think it's the first time we've come from behind, and 
I paused for you then, Ben, to have the laugh that come from behind. Listen, mate, <laughs> I'm only going with pulling off this time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so to come from behind and pick up a point is um, a nice is a nice thing. Shows a bit more character from the lads because yeah, it's been more a case of us taking the lead and then sort of holding out. So yeah, they've done well. I feel though that we've said McGuinness has lost his man quite a few times this season. And I yeah, think that's becoming a bit great, is it? Yeah, I think that's something that does need to improve because he's clearly a great defender. He's good in the opposition box as well. It's just he does kind of lose his man. He kind of strays a little bit. And he's, he's, st- he's still young, isn't he? And I am hoping he's still how young he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's very good at doing the basics. Like if there's a ball to be cleared or a header to win, he's going to do that. And I think the positioning you can teach because it's it's about getting used to your other defenders. It's about getting used to the teams you're playing against and like just drilling it in that way. And I think we forget it's still his first season at the club. So I think we're going to see the best in the Guinness, over, especially under a manager who's more consistent with him. Um, Tom, we've already touched upon it. Joel Baggin, a.k.a. Joel Bagsman. Um, what was he doing in their box at that time? I don't understand why he was there, but long may it continue if he keeps scoring. And I think, like, like I mentioned earlier on, he probably should have got a second late on, but he kind of almost had too much time to think and fluffed his lines a little bit. But it, it, it is just good to see a defensive player getting that far forward, giving us another outlet. And when the ball's on the other side, breaking into the box and giving that extra option in there because he's causing major problems. Yeah. And it's mad. Like he gets his first senior goal and follows up with another two in quick succession. Like, He's on fire at the moment and it's just great to watch. And it's exciting because there was a time earlier this season when we thought, you know, he was a flash in the pan. He had a couple of good performances. He looked completely... He took, he took a brunt of the early season ire, didn't he? Where people kind of thought he wasn't perhaps ready. He was a bit out of his depth, whatever. But yeah, I think he's we, showing now that it's the opposite. We were looking for anything to cling on to, like some future hope at that point, weren't we? Because nothing was yeah. going right and we pinned it all on him and it didn't it didn't work out in those in those early part of the season. But yeah, he's he's... Like we said, he's full of confidence now. I think Morrison is playing him in the right way. He's saying the right things to him. And yeah, it's, it's, it is exciting. And I'm hoping it's not just a little bit of a, you know, purple patch. I hope it continues to the end of the season because we've got a player on our hands if it does. Also, he's clearly so confident that when he scored his third goal in three games, he ran off with a little three hand gesture to three, the fans. Yeah. He knew. What a yeah. fucking guy. What a guy. <laughs> What's he going to do next time? Four? Four? Run off with a four when he scores again this weekend? Makes um, sense. Ben, we've lost nine out of ten matches in front of our fans previously. That's now three wins in a draw. Obviously, over Christmas, there were periods where we couldn't have fans in stands, all that kind of stuff. Feels like we're getting back to what the CCS should be about, right? A, a, a difficult place for other teams to come. It does, and I feel like the atmosphere is getting back there as well. Noise for the Blackpool game especially was better than it has been in a long time. Um, yeah, it's just nice to sort of do that because it was. it's not been a fun experience going to the Cardiff City Stadium for most of the season. So, yeah, I, getting back there and enjoying the games again has been really refreshing. And, yeah, it's nice to see it because was it one loss since the new year at home? And that was against yeah. Blackburn, who were pushing for promotion. Given yeah. how it's gone, that the improvement again is just massive for the club it's really really encouraging obviously Tom it was a, a better performance than the 70 minutes against Coventry um, but it wasn't the best start again Morrison perhaps got his selection wrong but he, he showed now how to change it during the game obviously it wasn't as dramatic as perhaps hauling off striker off after 30 minutes see Ben I can avoid saying pulling off a striker I've ruined it now <laughs> um, but in those moments Morrison does seem to know how to read a game and change it properly doesn't he 
Yeah, I think so. I think he notices what's going wrong. He, he gets he, he's starting to work out who he trusts to do what job now. I think he's getting there slowly, but yeah, he's. It is a little bit worrying that we're so slow to start and don't seem to grab games by the scruff of the neck. Um, and it does take us... Like, I think the Peterborough game is probably the only one that we've really come out of the blocks fighting. Yeah. Um, but they, as we've discussed before, are absolutely woeful. But, I, 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 yeah, I look at it as a positive for now that we are, he is reacting, he knows what to do. Because we were complaining under McCarthy, you know, there, there was games where he was making... One well, I mean, it was it the Swansea like, game where we lost 3-0. He didn't make a change until about the 75th minute or something, did he? Yeah, and that, that and that wasn't in isolation. And I think we, we had said the same things about Neil Harris and stuff before. So it's good to have a manager who's not afraid to make big decisions, even if sometimes we think it's the wrong one. I think we're only going to benefit from that. And it probably puts a rock up some of the players' asses, you know, knowing that if they're not playing well, they're coming off. So... You know, I, I look for now. I look at it as a positive thing that we we can react and change a game plan. They're not playing well. They might get pulled off, but some of them might enjoy that. So, um, I mean, we all enjoy being pulled off, don't we? Who doesn't? Well, exactly. It's an enjoyable time for everyone. Um, and that's looking back on those two games. Now we move over to Twitter, where people have sent us their thoughts. Um, Speaking I, of getting pulled off. Yeah, well, I'm going to save that question for last because I think it is a doozy. Um, but I'll start with Reese Davis. Game of two halves. Morrison certainly could read a game and make changes when things aren't going to plan. Excited to see how far the kids can develop and hope we can get them all tied down to long-term contracts in the summer. Jamie Pryor, this question for you, Ben. And I'll come to you, Tom, as well. Both of you can answer this one and I'll answer it as well because we're, we're all about collegiate fun at this podcast. If you had an unlimited budget to sign any player from the championship for us in the summer, who would it be and why? For me and the position we will need, I'd go for Liam Moore from Reading with the uncertainty around Flint and Morrison. Ben, who would you I say? saw this. I saw this question. I've got a problem with it. You've got an unlimited budget in the championship and you're going for Liam Moore. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got, I'm going to, I've got two answers for this. I've got a, a double pronged answer for this because the budget's unlimited, and one of the guys I want to sign will be on a free. So, <laughs> but the Harry Wilson. Why would you sign Harry Wilson? Dave Brooks, anyone like that, sort of. This <laughs> anyone is... as well. I'll go Brandon Johnson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> again, again, hell of a player. Who Regan Paul. What? He's sort of... <laughs> go on, Ben. Carry on. Yeah, a player like Brandon Johnson would be ideal for us. Like right. twenty million power player Mitrovic, yeah. As good as our strikers are, I take Mitrovic. <laughs> All right, so you've gone for Mitrovic, Tom. Who are you going for? I said Brandon Johnson just because I fancy it's in a Wales player. But even like you look at someone like Swift, or like Redding, who probably wouldn't even cost that much. He's in double figures for assists and goals this season. I mean, in a, a shit team, like well, Tom. Is- my answer is going to be John Swift because he'll be on a free at the end of this season. So that's your free. I'll be like, and then I'm going to get Mitrovic in on my unlimited budget. <laughs> there we go. Imagine those two together. Now you finish your answer. Brennan Johnson? Yeah, but when you say, so is it any championship player we can sign? Yeah. Can we count Nico Williams because he's on loan into the championship at the moment? Oh, you can. And I'm going to allow you that, mate. I'm, I'm the judge, jury and executioner. Yeah, so we'll have a whole Welsh squad between us by the end of the season. Bring back Kiefer Moore. No. Um, nah, he's got a broken foot. Yeah, yeah, he's gone now. But um, <laughs> yeah. he's not he's dead. He's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> he is to me. <laughs> until March until March he broke his foot again uh, oh, Chris Faraday Uche is a beast but nowhere near good enough to start at this level was he a last minute panic loan or does Morrison see him as a player we'd like to sign for me he's league one level at best which is disappointing as his attitude is top draw I think that's harsh Ben 
Yeah, but I can see what he means. Um, he's a bit. He's never going to start for us, is he? Yeah, no. Um, but I, it also, I do think he's right, and he's saying, amazingly, I think he's a player that I think Morrison wants to get in the summer, but he's also a panic buy at the last minute because we couldn't get who we actually wanted. He, he wasn't. A, he wasn't a panic buy, was he? Because we went after him early in the month. Yeah, and then we went for. Um, but we only didn't go for him earlier in the month because they wanted to sell him on a permanent deal. Yeah, but I think then it was a case of who who was the lad for it who's gone to Forest? Um, the Jack from. Oh, what's he Come called? on, Dad, you can work this one out for yourself. Mate, I can't. Go through the alphabet mate. A, B. <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's gone. But yeah, that lad we were supposed to sign that went to Forest that Will Box crippled the game before. Um, oh, um, from Stoke. Yeah. Not Lee Gregory. No. Surridge. 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 Yeah, that's the prick. Yeah, because I mean... he, he was supposed to come in. And I, I admittedly, I'd rather it be Azu. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think it is a case of it's a bit, it's a mixture of a panic buy because we got him last minute. And also, I think he's a player we're looking at in the summer. And I, I also agree. He, uh, Sam Surridge has had a smashing time at Forest so far. Three games, no goals. So, go on, Tom, hey, what are you going to say? Hey, Piazza, I think he's just another option, isn't he? I think, like, there's other teams like Millwall and stuff in for him as well. It, it, I, he's a certain striker one in certain games, and I wouldn't be surprised if you got Fulham coming up in a couple of uh, on next weekend. You can imagine him starting. I could see him starting a, that. Yeah. yeah, just to be a pain in the ass. I don't think it's a panic one. I think it's quite shrewd because, it, like you said, it just gives us more options. We've got some like quick youngsters. He, he seems like a great character to have on like the dressing room and stuff as well. And to be honest with you, looking at some of the social media stuff, he can it's finish. Finish, yeah, yeah. It's of course, just, if you. If you if you look at the sliding scale of strikers we've got, we've got Davis, Harris, Waters, who are kind of all small, nimble, mobile strikers. We've got Hugill, who can do everything. He can win headers. He seems to be quite good on the ball. He seems to get into the channels. And we've got Ikpiezu, who's a pure target man. And then Collins, somewhere in between, I'd say Hugill and Ikpiezu. It's like we've got options for each individual thing. And we could play Hugill and Ikpiezu if we wanted to together, because Hugill's more mobile than Ikpiezu. We could play off Ikpiezu. Or we could play Ikpiezu with one of the youngsters and just play that pure big man, little man, target man situation. So I think I think it's I think it was clever signing. Um but yeah, I don't see, you know, he he had a good season at Wickham, didn't he, last year? I think he got nine goals in the championship. I see that as this kind of ceiling. I think he's one of those players who will have a game where you look at him and go and think, how is he a professional footballer? I think he'll have the he's that type of player. Then there'll be other games where he win every header, he'll score a couple of goals, he'll just be an absolute nuisance from start to finish. So I think you've got to forgive him, especially when he's been asked to come on late. And try yeah. to get into mm. a game. That's a tough thing to do for that type of player as well. So uh, yeah, I think I, th- I think it'll work out to be a good signing for us for the rest of the season. Uh, Sam Hill, first half of B pool means Blackpool it was very slow and dull. Lack of ideas from both teams, but they took the lead. Second half thought we came out with great intensity, pressing one, and probably should have scored two to three goals rather than just the one. Would have taken four out of six points at the start of the week. Edward Tobin, we still don't seem to be able to put consistent back-to-back ninety minutes performances in. I guess this is due to the influx of youngsters in the team where consistency can fluctuate. I'd like to see us to finish strongly and put in good performances over 90 minutes. Sam Hill again, he's coming in with a double. It seems that Morrison with one R thinks Hugill Davis is the best front two at the moment. What do you think of Uche's performance on, as some people liked it, others didn't? Would you give him a start in one of the next two games or stick with Hugill Davis, maybe throw Collins in? Tom, you said it. You can see it, is starting against Fulham. Yeah, I just why not? I have a battering ram of a player up there. Try, try something different. I don't think we're going to outrun them, outsmart them in that way. So just try something that they probably haven't come up against that often this season. 
Can you imagine him and Mitrovic going in for a header together as well? I would like to see that. <laughs> Very much that is the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. <laughs> uh, left of centre. Interesting that we had more possession against Blackpool, but didn't seem that we were on the front foot, so to speak. Also, I like Flint, but why is he our course back on the long ball? NG, far better place to hit it long when needed. Can take the drawers, at least we went for it. By the way, first time pod listener last week and enjoyed it. Cheers, lad. Well, thank you, left of centre. Um, it is funny, isn't it, Ben, that um, Flint does seem to be the long ball player. Um, is that, do you think, because he can just kick it fucking miles? Yeah, I think it's just a power in his legs, and it? It's just absolutely leather at foot, foot throat. And just, it's so bloody far. It's high as well. It's not just distance. There's height on it as well. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, but I kind of, you know, to, to draw on my own experiences, I, I play Sunday League and I take all our free kicks because I'm just the person who can kick the ball the furthest. <laughs> so, <laughs> like the yeah, we got a free yeah. kick, right, I'll hit it. And I, I often injure myself, so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Cal, a point is decent enough. Could have and maybe should have won it, but that's football. Two very tough games coming up now. We'll be previewing those in a minute. Uh, Tom, this one's from Jake. How long until we see Baggin and Flint up front? Oh, hello. That, that could work. Well, we're 2-0 Baggin's got really good movement for that for the both the Millwall goal and the Blackpool goal. He spotted the space and went for it. If we've got our six, seven strikers on our books and we end up playing that, this would be a worrying time for us, but... It but would it surprise you with Cardiff City? Would it surprise you? I tell you what, if we've oh, got nothing to, nothing to play for with a couple of games left of the season, why not? You know, we, we are, can, again players that we that are on our books currently, so why not try it as an option for I think, the season? I see Morrison as the last game of the season. If we're safe, nothing to play for, he'll just go right, everyone draw a position out the hat, and that's where you're playing. Waters right back, we'll have Joe Rawls at centre half, Smithies at left back, Ramos at centre midfield, Ramos at centre midfield, <laughs> Steve Morrison's in goals. <laughs> and the rest of the lads are just sat on the bench just grabbing from like a crate of carling and the bench. Yeah, yeah. The worst thing is Water still gets taken off after 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steve Morris, yeah, Steve Morrison actually goes out of goals to the sideline just to haul him off. Um <laughs> Oliver Reese think we struggled on times in midfield without Rawls. Furthering the point, we need to offer him a contract, sign the ting. Davis is getting better each game. We need to build a team around him in the summer. Also, respect for Medine, saving his energy for fight club rather than the football. Uh, Sean Collins, are we he safe? Was bad I think though, so. He? Medine. Yeah. It's... Fuck, he was bad. Good. I think like I think he's 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 done quite well for Blackpool this season, but a lot of his goals seem to come from the penalty spot or in and around the box. Um so maybe he was just tired. Maybe he was just tired. He had one shot that was going out for a throw in at one stage. How many goals has he scored that many? Um, he was... Gary Medine. I don't know what happens. I don't think like the second he goes over the bridge, his arse just goes now after he's such, had such a bad experience. He's just like sat on the bus just having flashbacks. Is Warlock still there? No, he isn't, Gary. Thank God. Um, anyway, Sean Collins, are we safe? I think so. We need to start trying new things now, I think. Using the players we have left at the club at the end of the season would love us to sight to try four at the back but don't have the wingers. Diff MJ feels like every week we either lose or win, so a draw was strange, but a good result. Ellis Hearn can't win every game, and a couple of months ago we would have lost that game. Morrison with one eye has made me a believer in his method, but Drake's different gravy. Um, which means by Drake's different gravy? Am I missing something? Is it Blokes different gravy? Something that the kids say. And we're, we're young and hip. Uh, Gareth Jones awful first half but much improved after half time whatever the results between now and the end of the season we're a much better watch than we have been for a while Connor Griffiths this is a big question big have we finally replaced the Gunnison role with Wintle Ben that's a bit far it's a big call but 
so far we're more secure with him there aren't we so far he's doing everything we need from that role he's doing that role that i sort of was crying out for sort of middle of december saying we desperately need science defense for midfielder he's doing that and he's doing it absolutely brilliantly because in the nicest way in the world in that role you barely notice him he just does everything right all the time and he's being fucking superb that's what you need from a player in that kind of, I guess it's the almost like the eight role, as it were. Someone who just gets the ball from defence, plays it forward a little bit, maybe can play a pass if he needs to, but just does the simple things and brings others into play, isn't it? Get, get it ticking. It's the thing we were crying out for for a Marlon Pack for so long. We finally found someone that can do that role. Pack, Pack's probably not that player. I think it's obvious now he's never yeah. going to be that player. He, it was just the wrong fit for him. But yeah, Wintel's been class since he's come in. Speaking of your man, Marlon Pack, Tom, can you see Pack, Nelson, Bakuna, Collins playing again this season? Collins will play again. Um, Pack? Yeah, he'll play again, but not... Nelson? Not, no, not currently. No. That, that's, yeah. Pack. <laughs> <laughs> Nelson, <laughs> Bakuna, <laughs> Collins. Um, but I think Bakuna... <laughs> Bakuna, I, I think, is the one least likely to play. I well, think fact, the other one like, is not. He's not making the bench. No, yeah, exactly. I, the rest of big fat roles, I think, from here on. I can in. see his injuries needing Pack, Nelson, and Collins at some point. Yeah. Um, but I can, yeah, Bakuno kind of feels like he's bombed out. Uh, you and Barber deserved the draw, but they were probably the better side overall. Mess, ref missed the Stonewall penalty for them for a foul by Wintle. Midfield oh, we definitely struggled without Ross. We didn't talk about that, but then a blue bit legend says, can the EFL sort out the abysmal officiating? It's getting beyond a joke. I assume he's talking about the penalty, but let's not talk about it then because we don't want to admit that they could have got a fucking result. And now it's the question you've all been waiting for. It's got 42 likes on Twitter. It's set Cardiff <laughs> City Twitter ablaze. It's broken the internet. It's Daniel Morgan. And fair play, contrition. Back in his class. Sorry I fucked up my question last week. Last week, This one I've had all week to think about. And it's a doozy. Would you rather look like Steve Cooper with a huge willy or look like Kiefer Moore with a tiny willy? The best question we've ever fucking got this. I, pro- yeah, I burst out laughing. Kind of prize, doesn't it? I probably um, just started giggling when this felt up in work. I was, yeah. You, ben, you replied to the tweet. So I assume you've, you've thought about the answer. I, I have, yeah, because the internet's been a nightmare at work today, so I've had a lot of time to think about this. Go on, Ed. So the idea of, like, having a big willy seems really appealing at first, but if you look like Steve Cooper's, no one's touching it, let's be honest. It's never happening. You've got to go... kids, isn't he? <laughs> Someone's touched it. <laughs> yeah, but that's a long haul. I'm going for the one-night stand there. You go and sort of, you know, play that. You want to look like Kiefer and then just look people experience this and then disappoint them yeah people experience disappointment in their lives just ask my missus um <laughs> yeah so for me it's look like Kiefer and I have a little willy because the only difference is from now I look like Kiefer more I do I do see your logic there Tom well it's a tough one because if you Kiefer more with his vaccine record he's scared of having a little prick isn't he so hey! oh. <laughs> um, but no I, I I agree with uh Ben's logic. I think I'll go for Kiefer Moore in this room. Well, just to upset the apple cart, I'll go for Steve Cooper with a massive wang. You've got to remember, it's not, you would. It's not yeah. how it's not the size of it, it's how you use it, isn't it? And this is why we got into football podcasting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So we can discuss Steve <laughs> Cooper's prick on Zoom. <laughs> Hang on, oh, just take a call from Manscaped. Yeah, they've cancelled the deal. Yeah. <laughs> 
But talking of Manscaped... Here at VFTN, we're all about the smooth moves. Whether it's a Joe Rawls through ball or a Shawnee Moz celebration, we simply love it when things run smooth. And that's why we're big fans of the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. We've been using their lawnmower shaver now for the past few weeks, and let me tell you, it's as smooth as Robert Earnshaw's head down there. I've been using razors and scissors to keep myself trimmed down below, but this device changes the game. Whether it's your plums, your armpits or your chest, the lawnmower's skin-safe technology leaves you smooth and clean without any risks of bumps or nicks. And when you're done, you can use their Crop Preserver deodorant to keep things feeling super fresh down there. It's a game changer. I never knew I needed it, and now I can't live without it. And for our view from the Ninian listeners, we've teamed up with Manscaped to offer you 20% off their Performance Package 4.0. Not only do you get the Lawnmower 4.0 shaver and the Crop Preserver deodorant, but you also get the Weed Whacker. For those of you out there with that excess nose and ear hair, we see you. And a refreshing Crop Reviver tonic. You'll also get a pair of Manscaped boxes thrown in, as well as a bag to keep all your bits in. It's simply not to be missed. To get your hands on the very best in male grooming, head over to uk.manscaped.com and select the Performance Package 4.0. And at the checkout, use the code VFTNinian for 20% off your purchase. That's VFTNinian for 20% off your purchase. Trust us, your balls will thank you. Thanks for anyone who's used the code so far. Um, we've got a bonus Twitter question in there now. Um, Tom, you put this in quite late on. Um, the Football Masters is back. For those who are probably below the age of 20, you might not have seen the Football Masters. I believe it was a Sky Sports run initiative where they took over an ice rink with some kind of AstroTurf pitch and got six players from a previous, um, you know, from a, a previous era of football and, um, and, and made a six-a-side six tournament out of it. Um, it, was, it was quite an enjoyable watch when I used to see it on Sky. Um, Tom, you're nodding. I loved it. I, I was absolutely <laughs> obsessed with it. It's so, it's so funny seeing like Neville Southall trying to squeeze back into a football kit. That's yeah, why yeah. Of what I enjoyed is the fact they've all clearly like you know after everything they've let themselves they're, go. They're all, they're all walking up going, I've had too many pints for this. Yeah, <laughs> and we've just got like Steve Lomas going screamers and things like that. Just like it's just great. Oh, I can't wait for it to come back. Um, so your question is, and I think we've been talking about it in the WhatsApp chat, but we'll bring it to life now. You've got to pick your squad of six over 35 footballers, um, from the Cardiff City, the annals of Cardiff City history. Who are you picking, Tom? Who are you going with? It's a tough one because like, I was trying to think of players that we've only played for us once or twice who I could imagine being good even in their 40s. But then I got a bit bored of doing that, so I just picked people I liked instead. So I've gone for uh, Neil Alexander in goal just because I was absolutely obsessed with him when I yep. was a kid. Um, at the back, I've gone for Gabadon and Roger Johnson. I think, I think that's solid. I've gone pretty attacking. I've got two attacking players, but I've got Don Cowie in midfield because I think he could do the job of three Masters footballers because he just didn't stop running. He's probably still running around right right the second now. So I've yeah. gone for him in the middle and then Bellamy and Chopper up front. And I think we're, we're taking the Masters trophy back to back over the border into Wales. Uh, ben, who are you going for? So I've gone with David Marshall in goal. I'm assuming they don't have to be retired to play in this which going on the basis they're over 35 the rules have the rule the rules haven't been decided yet ben so i'll allow it be a tough one to ask the manager at the moment if you could do that yeah, as a yeah. summer project though <laughs> yeah <laughs> just say for qpr yeah. possibly in the playoffs <laughs> so, so, <laughs> sorry i can't um, i can't play in the final i'm doing yeah. the masters with cardiff doing the masters with kev don't know where he's um, from don't know where he's from kev mcnaughton obviously nice bit of energy in the defense Danny Gavron, you want someone that's good on the ball. And I don't think there's a better ball playing centre back we've had at the club than 
as over the, the age of 35 than Gabs. Uh, then I've gone for Craig Bellamy and Joe Ledley. I did also go for Wits, but as Tom pointed out, they've got to be alive, which was a depressing mm-hmm. fact. So I am I put in the chat about Jay Bothroyd, but I've just thought of another person to put in the midfield that sort of came into my head. Shayla Fajana, just an absolute unit, just run through everyone. Nice, so he, good choice. So he never moved. It was one of those things where like, he'd stand still and beat five blokes. I never, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, he confused me as a player, but it just seemed to work. Just <laughs> uh, I just I just realised that Joe Ledley literally only just qualifies for the Masters of being over thirty-five. He turned thirty-five a month ago. Tomorrow. Thank you, Wikipedia, for checking that because I did actually check that one. Oh well done, mate. Well, a month ago Wednesday. Sorry. All right. Uh, my picks would be right. Tony Warner in goals. Um, nice. Just because we picked probably the two main goalkeepers from that era at the back, I would have going to go Danny Gabadon, and I'm going to go Reese Weston. Bit of a Rolls Royce on the football field. Um, midfield, I'm going to go because you talked about players who played for us not very long who'd be really good now. Gary O'Neill. Oof. And I'm going Joby McEnough because the guy's kept himself in good nick. Yeah. Um, and up front, I'm going Jay Bothroyd. And. Ooh, who do I put? Have I got. Is that seven players? That's, that's, yeah, you've, you've picked six already. I'm going Jay Bothroyd. Lone target man up front, knocking balls down for McEnough to volley home. Um, if you want to get involved, tweet us, twitter.com slash, twitter.com slash VFTNinian. Let us know who would be in your Masters team. Um, we'll retweet some of the best ones we see. Uh, before we talk about Huddersfield and Fulham, we've got so many other business to talk about. Uh, this isn't a meeting, but that's what you put it on the fucking agenda as, so that's what I've tweeted yeah, as. Didn't know what the title um, was. Uh, Steve Morrison alluded to the fact this week that we'll probably not see Isaac Vassell playing for the club again. Tom, what could have been, eh? Yeah. It's a strange one, isn't it? Like, it's just injury after injury after injury. Anytime he seems to make a little bit of progress, he seems to... It, I, I think he's been out so long, it's, it's always going to be muscular injuries, isn't it? Yeah, like it, it said in the, in the article I was reading, like, he came back to first-team training and then had another setback. Yeah. And, like, you've got a feel for the book because how hard must that be to, like, just deal with where you think you've made a recovery and yet again you have another setback? And you must go on... Every time you come back, you must be just absolutely shitting yourself. Just it's happening again. And as much as we could joke about like him being like just a waste of a signing, but what a horrible, horrible feeling it must be for him. And I do, I do really feel for the bloke. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that annoys me about the Isaac Fassell stuff is that people are so quick to just be like, get rid of him, he's stealing a living. But it's like players are contracted for a reason. And it's not his fault, is it, Ben? No. Like, He's he, he started well. He scored in his debut. Looked like he could be an, a great addition up front at the time. A player we didn't have. Um, you know he could play. You know he's not he's not a target man. He's a bit quicker than that. Um, I, I know it kind of came with with the warning that he was injury prone. But we've seen injury prone players turn it around before. But it's just so. I just feel really sorry for him. Yeah, I just totally get it for the lad. I know everyone's gonna go, oh, well, he earned this so and so much a week from the club and do return it. But look, that's not his fault. He's tried, he's worked his bollocks off. And you do wonder how much of it's psychological, just a little bit. But the period of time these injuries seem to be keeping him out for is it's just his body's just not yeah. there for football, is it? It's not a case. So I don't think it's like you, there was always things with um, Sturridge of if he wasn't 100% fit, he didn't play. I don't think it's a case of the cell. I think it's a case of just his body is just so battered and just so, just not cut out for football, sadly, because it's such a talented player. Look, you see pace. Good strike on the ball, 
great smile as well pardon great smile lovely smile as well and just yeah but also you can see you can see from the the, talk about nights out but you see on the players instagram pages like he's clearly a a big presence in the dressing room as it were like he's always out with morrison he's always friend like he's clearly friends with rouse morrison and nelson i think goes out with them quite a lot as well so he's clearly amalgamated himself amalgamated integrated sorry into the group but he just can't do the job he's meant to do that's really sad isn't it because you sort of some some lad like that that he's worked so like you forget how much young players when they're kids give up and sort of sacrifice to become professionals to go through all of that and be one of the sort of like was it 0.01% of people that can make the breakthrough and become a professional player. Yeah. Have that and sort of do all that work and not be able to properly live your dream and sort of get out and play football. Yes. He's earned some money and sort of that I'll see him through and you'll probably never have to work a proper day's work in his life, but he sacrificed so much to become a professional footballer and he never, he hasn't really got to live that as much as he should have. I think you do have to question the sign in. Because you do, yeah, yeah, because you can't. He was in not only injury problem, he was injured at the time as well. And he'd been out, yeah, and he'd been out with that type of injury. That's a risk. And like tying him up for a a contract, like we did, um, I I know it's hindsight a little bit as well, but it's it's not really how you should do business with footballers, is it? Like they're out injured with that type of injury. I don't think you should be bringing them in. We we bought Patterson in with a cruciate and. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. It's it's just I, one of those things that some signings just happen like that and they just don't work out. Yeah, it's a shame, and I, you know, I think we wish him all the best, and I hope that he's able to at least pick up some semblance of a career. Um, you know, before if, if he if he doesn't have to call it a day. Um, and I'd like to see the club offer him like a position within the academy. Like he's clearly well liked. He seems to be quite comfortable in the area. If there's a job there for him with working with a lower age group and sort of helping them develop, then why not? He's a young player sort yeah. of understands what they're going through and hopefully he could provide an asset to the club that way. Maybe become a physio. Um, well, and then the final point, well done to Cardiff City's women's team after they beat Swansea. Um, Tom, is this true? The Swansea team hadn't lost in the league since 2018 or the Cardiff team haven't lost in the league since 2018? Swansea, the Swansea it's team. not very clear. Just think about that when you're right. Sorry, I thought you, I thought you were keeping up to, with current news. I didn't know I had to spoon feed you it, to be honest with you, Ben. But there we Please go. Please do. There's a lot of news going on at the moment. But like, it's fantastic, isn't it? We, have, we, we, we seem to have a, a quite a good good women's system within place at Cardiff City. And I think it's something that we're seeing more of, aren't we? We're seeing more and more people talk about it. Yeah, definitely. There's there's definitely hype around it at the moment. You can see with the interactions on Twitter, it's growing. And just the women's game in general is growing. And it's, it's really good to see that the club are involved in it now after years where they were probably took too much of a backseat when they could have been involved in women's football. So it's really good to see it kind of progressing in the way it has against a very strong Swansea outfit as well. Um, but, it, you know, it, 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 you see with our younger age groups are going well as well. It seems that the club are not just focusing on the first team now and like throughout the club. It's, it's a football it, ecosystem, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. There's a clear ecosystem there now and it's one we're going to need in both the men's and women's game going forward. So, yeah, a result like this is great to see. And the really other thing the women's team, they've got a better sponsor than us. Who's their sponsor? Bands Direct. Oh, that's a classic Sick. Cardiff sponsor, that as well. Yeah, that's true. All right, moving on to the next two Cardiff games. Uh, two big games coming up, Ben. Huddersfield and Fulham. Um, one, I didn't realise Huddersfield were that high in the table. Uh, and two, Fulham, they're probably going to win the league. So is this a potential nil-point week? Yeah, probably. <laughs> two sides in good form that I really don't fancy playing 
So um, yeah, look, if we get anything out of anything from the either of these two games, is a massive bonus. I think it's just two games you write off and sort of look at the next lot after that because not going to be easy. Huddersfield are probably the one you'd look at if you're going to pick up a result. That'd be the game we're sort of hoping for. But Wednesday night up in Huddersfield, fair play. To, I think it's about 900 fans traveling up. Yeah. Yeah. Fair play to them. That's a hell of a commitment because I just I'm just I thinking Huddersfield Huddersfield haven't lost since the 27th of November. In that time, their most recent game, they picked up a 2-1 win against Fulham at Fulham. Drew with Sheffield, drew with Preston, beat Barnsley, beat Derby, drew with Stoke, beat Reading, drew with Swansea, beat Burnley in the FA Cup, drew with Blackburn, beat Forest, beat Blackpool, beat Bristol. They're beating everyone. They, where have that come from, Tom? What have Huddersfield done? It's mad because they've spent absolutely nothing on our squads. It's like a million, million quid they spent, and they've just been solid all year. And it just, you know, we managed to actually beat them in November. Which yeah, is, we were one of the last teams to beat them. Yeah, which is madness, really. But I, I feel like at the time we said, "Oh, I can't believe how high Huddersfield are on the table." But when we did the podcast back then, so the fact that they've kind of prolonged this throughout the season, it's just credited the whole setup they've got there. But yeah, it's going to be a real, real tough fixture for us because they're in an um, unbelievable form. So they've even got Danny Ward scoring goals, haven't they? So yeah, he is, and he's got lovely hair as well to go along with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I because we were so far down the table, I haven't really been paying attention to the top, obviously, except for the fact that Fulham are kind of running away with it. Bournemouth are in second on fifty-eight points, only four points ahead of Blackburn in third. And then Huddersfield and QPR in fourth and fifth are on 53. All of a sudden, Sheffield United are in there on 50 points. That race for second place, Ben, could really spice up, couldn't it? Yeah, it's probably the most competitive part. Now, I think you're going to struggle to catch Fulham. Um, they seem to be, like you said, run, running away with it. Bournemouth seem very shaky at the moment, sort of suspect. Yeah, it's it could prove to be quite an exciting finish to the Championship this year, which I didn't think, which we haven't had the last couple of seasons. So, be something to enjoy in the last day when we inevitably don't relegate Derby again. Yeah, it'd be nice to watch, won't it? It'd be nice to watch from afar other teams having a nice time and some success. I'm just glad we won't have a stressful last day because the way it was looking, what, six, uh, three months ago, the final day of the season could have been a lot more stressful. Well, we're fighting for 13th. Everyone else yeah. could be fighting for promotion. Buzzing that's for nice. It'd be nice, nice to watch from afar. Um, go on then. I mean, we're going to lose, but what are your predictions, Tom? I'm not sure. I don't think we will. I think we'll draw. I think it'll be nil-nil. I think... I don't know. Huddersfield... Hmm? The Which Huddersfield game now. The Huddersfield right. game, sorry. Like, they've come up... I know they beat Fulham away on the weekend. But I think we could do to Huddersfield what Huddersfield did to Fulham in terms of just sit back, absorb pressure, and just try and grind it out. I've been a bit optimistic, obviously, but I think the, the, the best we could hope for is probably nil-nil. So I'll go with that. Ben? I'm going to drop a stat in here that I didn't realise. So thank you to FopMob for this. Please sponsor us. In the previous Why haven't six... they sponsored us yet? I don't know. Probably should Probably ask. Probably well, yeah, we haven't. That's right. They clearly this is a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in 16 matches, how many games do you think Huddersfield have won against us? They haven't won many. I reckon they've won one, if not two at the most. Tom? Mm, none. Yeah, they haven't beat us in six. They haven't got a win against us in sixteen matches. That either bodes really well, or those nine hundred lads and lasses who are travelling up to Huddersfield are in for a really, really rough evening. Well, from what I remember, even the even the season they got promoted, we did the double over them. And I think we beat them three two and three nil. Three, we beat them three nil. Was it the last day of the season? Bennett scored two goals. Yeah. 
with one of them. It's like a class free kick. I remember Murphy having a score in a couple of good goals against them as well. Away, I think we're in that was the Neil Harris, the luminous green kit as well. Yeah, and then some turgid games in the Premier League against them. Two of the nil nil. Yeah, the one away from home was awful. Well, we should have lost, didn't you? I did, but when I was tripped over a curb. Um, That's genuinely true. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think we're going to lose. I don't know why. I've got a newfound optimism of Cardiff and it's actually quite worrying. Well, I presume that the next time we do a podcast, we've lost both those games. That optimism will be sapped completely out of you. (laughs) True, very true. Um, Fulham, then, we never seem to beat Fulham, do we? (laughs) No, they just. I think the last. Time, I think the only time I can remember us beating them were in the Premier League when we beat them four two, and then obviously we beat them in the playoffs in the second leg away from home. Um, but prior to that, I remember even when we got promoted, I think we lost them four two in 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 the Championship on Boxing Day. Um, we drew when Harry Arter got sent off. Um, I think we write this one off, don't we? Then that it's just one of those that you look at that squad, the money they've spent or haven't spent, but will spend when they get promoted. If you looking at that sort of stuff, that, that team should not be in the championship. That's a decently yeah. table side, so I'm looking forward to them getting relegated next year again. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Like you say that, our record again, looking at the Fot Mob stats, it's not horrific. They, they've, yeah, please sponsor us. In the previous 18, they, they, their stats of random games are totally all over the shop though. 18 for Fulham, but 16 for Huddersfield, don't get that. Um, we've drawn six. Fulham have won seven and we've won five. So it's not as like one side as I thought it was, to be honest. No, it isn't. But um, they do have Alexander Mitrovic, who has scored 31 goals in 28 games this season. Yeah, so he's, he's still, he's, he's got he's two 18 goals away, games two goals away from the record. But I would rather Liam Moore. So good um, point. Well made. <laughs> um, we've been I, prattling on for ages. Go on, Tom, finish prattling had, on and then I just, we'll the, pull the, you the, off. The, the Jordan much going against Fulham just uh, we, we just need someone like Will Volks to pull that off, I reckon, and we'd be absolutely fine. <laughs> Will Volks is going to pull it off, is he? <laughs> uh, um, we're running out of steam here, boys. Right, come on, predictions, and then we'll finish off. One <laughs> uh, one Huddersfield Cardiff, three one Fulham Cardiff. All right, Tom. So nil nil with the Huddersfield game, and I think we'll probably lose two nil to Fulham. I'm going to go 1-0 us against Huddersfield, 3-0 Fulham against us. And I think Harry Wilson's going to score two because um, he's a bastard. Fair enough. I love Nice Harry. looking bastard, though. And that's it for another episode of View from the Ninian. Uh, remember, if you like the podcast, leave us a review on wherever you listen to your podcast. You can give us a donation at ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash VFT Ninian. We do this for the love, not the money. Twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. You can find all the details there. And thanks again, once again, for listening. It's bye from me. It's bye from Ben. And it's bye from Tom. Say bye, lads. Bye. We're all going to die. Bye. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty, but they like to talk about Cardiff City. It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and.